Anyway, let's get around the Word of God. And uh, we're in our series again, um, this series on Ephesians, titled Ascend. And uh, we're in a section of the letter that is calling for the church to live differently to the world around them. Uh, it starts with, with us all considering who we are in Christ and how we're called to live that out. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1 calls us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have in Christ. And uh, under the theme of this series, and we're talking about this idea of ascend, of ongoing upward motion, we've been framing this section of the series under the, uh, the idea of stepping up. And uh, we're in the um, second last message of stepping up today. We're going to something new in two weeks' time. The most recent expression of stepping up that we've started to look at is from the idea in chapter, chapter 5, 21 onwards. It's the idea of mutual submission. Uh, out of reverence for Christ. And uh, Marguerite was up here last week, bravely starting us off with how this works in a husband and wife setting. Um, can I just ask, did people actually do the reflection stuff that she actually suggested we do? Um, I heard we, yeah, we, we've, um, I've heard um, evidence, anecdotal evidence all around the place, different couples saying, yeah, we, we did a bit of that. Yeah, that was helpful. Uh, so, um, and, and it's good to do some reflection from time to time. And, and, and that's really cool. Today, we're going to read about how this might look in the rest of the home. And uh, so uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 is what our passage is going to be today. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Short passage today. And uh, there's some interesting ways to go about this. I'm going to do it this way, all right? Online, gather crowds, everyone. Young people, let's have a squeeze. Let's have a chat. Young people, let's have a listen on the screen. You and I, let's talk. I want to say this for you guys first. The cool part of this passage is that you are addressed here before your parents. All right? That's actually something to note here, all right? This means that you might be lower in rank in your home. You'll be lower down the, po the pecking order. Not, you know, your parents are the authority. You're not, all right? No matter how much you think you are, you're not running the house. Your parents are. Although that is the case, you are being mentioned first here. And this is because, and, and this is an apostle, a writer of the New Testament, giving you honour, elevating you guys in a really cool way here. He mentions the wives first and then the husbands. He's actually addressing the, 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 in their social setting, someone who might be of lower space in that setting and actually elevating them by addressing them first. And he's doing that with the kids here too. You are being given honour by an apostle by being spoken to first. So that's a little detail that's actually quite significant uh, in, the, in the way this letter is being written. Also, this is being written in a way that is addressing older kids and teens. All right? And even to some extent, young adults as well. All right? It's young people to whom obedience is a choice. Right? You can't exactly tell a kid who doesn't understand yet how to obey, but someone who is able to process and actually... And, and you also got to remember here that these are not kids tucked away in Sunday school somewhere just kept in another room. 
Right? This is actually family units, kids of an age able to hear what is being read out, house to house, church to church, gathering to gathering. All right? Paul's letter is being read out in the churches. And we have kids of an age, young people of an age, teenagers, young adults, people of an age who relate to parents still sitting in the gathered congregation, hearing this, being instructed by this. So it's the older end of, of kids that are being addressed here. In other words, it's young people who Paul wants to see, see still serving Jesus after you outgrow kids' church, after you outgrow youth group, and even after you outgrow my young adults group. And Paul is saying to you, obey your parents. Not because he said so, not even because mum and dad said so, but because God said so. Paul quotes the fifth commandment here to make his point. That's interesting, okay? A lot of Christians are dismissive of the Old Testament. They call it legalism if you try to cause to obey any part of it. But for Paul, this is still God's moral standard, even in an almost entirely Gentile church. But Paul goes deeper here. It's a commandment that comes with a promise. All right, he says it's the first of the commandments. In reality, it's the only one in the Big Ten. It actually comes with a promise. All the others are, thou shalt not, or you know, you, this is what you are, how you ought to behave. But this one is, honor your father and mother, and here is a promise attached to it. It's the one with a promise in the Big Ten. Exodus 20, verse 12 is where it is first spoken. That's where the Ten Commandments are found, Exodus 20. Honor your father and your mother, here's the promise, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It has gone on to be spoken again in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. And uh, this is just before Israel is about to enter the promised land. And they're being reminded again here again. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is good, kids, for you to honor and to obey your parents. Because when done right, this will set you up for a productive life. If you can't do it there, you won't be able to show it in other places where it counts. If there's no pattern of honour or obedience when we're at home, what will we take into our adult life? What will your educators and your employers have to work with if it's not a pattern at home? What will you bring to a family that you go on to start if you haven't practiced it already in your home? And also, how will you relate to God the Father as well? The scriptures make a really big point here. Obedience to your parents does actually have a flow-on effect into all of life. And if we look at how this was applied in the Jewish setting, it was more than just doing what you're told. It's more than just sweeping up the floor because your, your dad said so, or, or uh, cleaning your room because mum shouted out over the, the noise of the TV to do so. It's more than that. Honour to mum and dad in the Jewish setting 
included taking care of them when they were older too. Adulthood doesn't stop honour. Matthew 15, verses six to seven, 4 to 6, says this. Jesus is being accused of doing something again by the Pharisees, and he uses this commandment to point out an area of hypocrisy in their midst. Let me read this to you. Uh, God, for God said, honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That's a big, big thing there in the Old, Old Testament there, but... But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. But you, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Okay, let me explain that verse to you. The, the first century Jews had a bit of a dodgy scheme going on here. They knew looking after their parents in their older stages of life was their responsibility. There were no nursing homes, there were no hostels, there was no government support. That It was on the shoulders of the, par- of the kids to make sure their parents, if they remained alive after retirement or whatever else, were looked after. But the first century Jews were actually told here that they were a- able to get out of it, essentially through spiritual abuse. Sure, Dad. Sure, Mum. I'd love to set you up for your last years. I'd love for those to be burden-free and safe and dignified and comfortable. But the money I have in the bank that could pay for that, well, hey, I pledge that to God. I haven't actually paid that pledge. It's in my bank account getting interest for me, but it's God's. Pledge is a pledge. Sorry, folks, I can't help you. Jesus called that out as hypocrisy. We can't honour our mother and father in that sort of way, and yet, you know, the, the giving to the house of God over and above that actually nullifies the law there. We have to do some harm to it. Now, I know I, I, we would all agree here that that's a pretty nasty way of living, and you'd never do that. But it's a great scriptural lesson on how far honouring our mother and father went in the Jewish mindset, and therefore in the mind of Paul, as he instructs the Ephesians here. This is a big deal. Obedience to your parents, honour to your mother and father, sets you up for life. It's important to know that. And it's a whole lot easier to do when your parents are actually easy to obey. Paul knows this. That's why he turns his attention to the dads next. All right, let's talk to the men now. Let's talk to the dads. Also, slightly, we'll talk to the mums here too in this, all right? Some Bible translations use the word parents here, but the Greek is very clear that it's more more likely a dad thing that is being addressed here. All right, it's actually, the Greek actually says pater, it's dad. You know, it's, now we do this knowing that in Jewish circles and in Roman circles, Discipline and instruction in the home was very much a dad job. Until a generation ago in Australia, it was often a dad dad job as well. I mean, put your hand up if you lived under the banner of just wait till your father gets home. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm part of that generation, right? (laughs) In Ephesus, dad was a disciplinarian. And sometimes dad went too far. But in Christ's kingdom community, 
with all the pagan world watching them, we've been reminded of that, Dad doesn't do that. It's already assumed in chapter 5 that the Ephesian church dad has a sense of reverence for Jesus. It's assumed that he loves his wife the same sacrificial way Jesus loves the church. It's assumed he lives in such a way that his wife respects him and leans into his authority in the home. A Christian man lives a life worthy of his calling in Christ. Therefore, a Christian man lives a life worthy of being submitted to. And a Christian man lives a life worthy of being respected and obeyed. If he's any way abusive, he is not that. So it's then assumed that dad in the Ephesian Christian home is a level-headed man who has a deep conviction, who doesn't provoke his kids towards disrespect and disobedience. I say the word assume carefully here because we need to remember at this point, friends, that this letter has, so far has no correctional elements in it. This is Paul simply stating church as it should be without any particular axe to grind. We chose to preach this book, Ephesians, at the start of this year before the COVID thing kicked in. Not having any axe to grind, not having anything to actually particularly correct or address. We actually wanted to find a way to be encouraging to the life of the church because we really felt at the start of the year the church was on a very healthy um, arc, and it still is now. Given the COVID season and how we're gathering and how we're doing things, there's a lot of health still emerging in our midst. All right? So again, no axe to grind. Ephesians doesn't do it, neither will I from much. But dads are being told here to not behave in a way that will cost them that place of honour in the home. This is actually a proactive letter. This is something we can take proactively out of this today for ourselves. Don't show aggression or abusive behaviour. Be balanced in your emotions. Don't bring your work troubles home with you. Be somewhat stable. Be predictable in how you carry yourself so that those around you know where they stand. In discipline, be even-keeled and show proper restraint. In provision, show proper restraint too. If we're looking to give our kids all the things we missed out on, what do we mean by that? If you missed some key things like having your education cut short or having some other opportunity taken from you and you can set that right in the next generation, that's a good thing. But if you didn't have a brand new car at 17 or if you didn't have every toy on the market but your child will, that actually sets up a bit of a problem. That becomes problematic in how you do things in your home. Creating entitlement in kids is a proactive, is a provocative act. It will set them up to fail later in life. It'll actually reduce you to the bank of dad. That's not a respectable place to be. So dads, don't be provocative. Instead, be proactive. In particular, be proactive in the values and the faith you instill into your kids. 
Training up here refers to the disciplines of faith and life that you are expected to bring to your kids. This includes the training you'll provide in getting up on time, in working hard, in putting the time into learning, the disciplines that come with um, for health and for well-being, good life skills. These are the things I learned the most from my own father. How to get up out of bed. You know, my dad would get up really early as a truck driver. Why? So he could avoid the way bridges getting to the wharfs. But he would, uh, he would, uh, you know, he had a habit of getting up very, very early. He'd be up at 4 a.m. every day, even though he didn't need to start until 6 or 7, because he would drive a truck across the city to make sure he was there on time well before everything started. That was when I was on school holidays. I didn't sleep in over my school holidays. I traveled in the trucks with him. So I had the 4 a.m. starts every day. A lot of fun when you're out there. Not so fun getting out of bed to do it. But I learned my work ethic from him. In your submission to Christ and your love for your kids, you will desire and you will naturally deliver on those things in your kids. The challenging one is this, though, to instruct. Instruct means to counsel your kids specifically how to live out their faith. Christian parent, I'm coming from you now, not so much as a parent because I'm not, but I am deeply experienced with kids and and youth and young people. Like I've done decades of work with young people uh, around the country. I can show you a lot of this stuff, but the research tells us clearly that second generation kids adopt adult faith lives because they are converted in their homes and they've learned to truly follow Jesus from the example of their mutually submitted parents. Your kids will follow Jesus primarily because you led them to Jesus. In this COVID season, friends, this lesson has never been more important. With the restrictions in gathering, with the absence of programs, for better or worse, you may be seeing, to some extent, the fruit of your labor right now. The research indicates, and I'm doing this, I'll get Andrew off the hook with this, that a youth leader has about 5% influence in your holders in the decision-making process of a Christian kid. Youth programs tend to facilitate mission and community more so than actual conversion and faith growth. The local Christian schools, in many cases, the influence is often less than that. If you're in a position to defend the one down the road, okay, that's cool. And I would, I would agree with you to some degree there, uh, but it's from experience, that's an exception, not the rule. All research points to this, that at least 75% of the discipleship process of the kids comes from home. If we outsource our kids' discipleship to the church or any ministry of it, or if we don't engage with what is being taught to our kids in that space, we end up doing a disservice to our kids. In our homes, the school of hard knocks has value. But the word of God and the instruction of the Lord from the lips and example of you, the godly parent, has so much more. The stats and the studies around this are overwhelming, friends. Your kid's faith depends heavily on your faith. 
on your convictions, on your behavior, on your Bible knowledge, on your church involvement. Your kids are watching you in your lounge chair right now. They'll know when you leave that in favor of actually gathering or not. A study this week in America through Barna Research, one of the most credible research agencies out there, shows that a third of Christians in the parenting age group right now have completely disengaged with church during the COVID season. One third of parents who are claimed to be practicing Bible-believing Christians have completely switched off from church. They're not even doing the online stuff anymore. Online, three months ago, started out as a novelty. It's devolved into lethargy, and if we're not careful, it devolves either further into apathy and then into nothing. The stats are quite freaky about that. I believe right now in the season we're in, engagement is new attendance. So again, hear me out really carefully here. I'm not trying to build the biggest crowd in this building right now because that's we're in a COVID season. That's not what we're about. I'm deeply concerned about the engagement that we have as community together. All right? Please stay online. If you're not in the building, be online. Be part of this thing together so that we can be that joint thing, that, that, that habit of being engaged in church. If you're online watching, be in the habit of being engaged with what you're doing from your lounge rooms. All right, your kids are watching you. The next generation is watching how we conduct ourselves right now. And it only takes 21 days for a new habit to form. If a bad one is formed, we've got to watch that. So let's, let's address that. They're taking note, parents, of your social media distractions right now during this sermon. If you're on Facebook right now, get back off it. They're noting your response to the diversity that we've been leaning into these last few months. They're watching... In this isolation time where everybody is watching everybody, they're watching your devotional habits. They're noting your ability to theologically reflect. They're counting the times that you're saying, ask the pastor, instead of, I don't know, let's discover this together. They're watching it all. They're being instructed by it all. So we're called to live worthy lives with mutual submission being one way of expressing that. If you submit to your kids in learning and living out the scriptures and teaching those things to your kids, they will submit and they will honor what you stand for. And they'll gladly obey. So parents, show your kids something worthy of respect and obedience. Don't provoke them, but provide, protect, and be proactive with them. And they will obey and they will honor you, even long after they've flown the coop. Let's pause and let's pray, be prayerful about this for a moment. As I reflect on this, I come to you right now also kind of going, oh, because there's, you know, the best sermons that are delivered are the ones that actually come from grappling with the, with the preacher grappling with it in the first place, right? And, and look, it's no secret that my relationship with my parents over the time, over the years has been a very strained one. You know, my, uh, my, 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 um, 
my real father was absent and, and died when I was very young, and my stepfather and I did not mesh at all, and his Christian faith was very weak, and it was a very hard thing to kind of live under that example. It was quite abusive. So I've had a hard time learning the value of honouring mum and dad over the times, and I've learned some lessons the hard way about what that means even now in adult life. All right, so uh, I, I come with full, uh, you know, look, but I know that one, God can do some healing with this at the moment. I've, I've, I'm first, I, can, I know this firsthand, right? That God as father overrides failed man as father. Right, I've learnt that in my own life right now. My dad let me down at times, and it, you know, and and it became a, a very strained relationship. But God, the Father in heaven, has never, never, ever let me down. All right, so there is healing to be found in that regard. You know, some of us simply just need our Father in heaven to kind of just get around us and go, "I love you, and I validate you, and I'm I'm here." Some parents may be challenged this morning about, you know what, I've kind of got to step up my game at the moment. You know, yeah, I, yeah, maybe I've outsourced a little bit too much. Maybe I've handballed off some of the stuff that I should be doing myself. Maybe I need to brush up on what I actually believe so I can instill that into my kids. Maybe some parents are being challenged right now about their own theological reflection. Maybe there's a, a chance now for, for us to resolve something differently as we come out of this morning, that, that, that mums, dads, get, get back to our scriptures, get back to our doctrines, get back to our belief systems, get back to our convictions. Come back to our, um, you know, let's step back, you know, let's come back from the place we've fallen. If we're in apathy right now, at least step into lethargy, please. Uh, do something, <laughs> but please, let's step towards engagement in our faith because our, for the sake of our kids. Uh, they're watching everything right now. They're learning everything right now. We communicate 90% non-verbally. So our conduct matters. Kids, you know what? Obey your parents. Honor them. Give them honor. Do what, you know, honestly, let's not fight them. If they say clean your room, because, you know, having an orderly life is a good thing. Clean your room. You know, if I say do your homework, well, education matters. Do your homework. <laughs> you know, if it's get out of bed, Good. You'll keep your job if you learn how to get out of bed early. <laughs> right? You know, like, honestly, lack of punctuality in a workplace will cost you your employment. So be punctual now when you're going to school. All right? Do the things that, you know, even on church on Sunday morning, it's a good habit to be on, church, on time for those things. Be, the first, be first out of bed so that your parents don't have to kind of spatula you out you know, on a Sunday morning. You know, <laughs> these things, you know, they're, they're good practices, kids, to, to really embrace and do. Parents, don't provoke your kids, but instruct them, train them. And also lean into, if there's been parental examples that have kind of fallen short in your life, maybe lean into the presence of the Spirit this morning and find healing in that. And, uh, and, and let's just, let's step into this place of worthy living in the way we conduct ourselves in our families, in our, as, as kids, as parents, as husbands, as wives, and let the world see what stability and what healthy people in Jesus actually looks like. And be proactive with that at all times.